Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. Today, as we now get into the fourth church, all right, in the book of the Revelation, and we've been doing a study on the seven churches, it seems like this, to me, is the most difficult of the churches, mm-hmm. of all of them. In fact, this is the one church where God spends 11 verses mm-hmm. on them, where the others he spends anywhere from four to six or seven. This one here, he has a lot more to say. Yep. And, you know, as I look at it and say, maybe if there's a church today that represents today, boy, this is going to be close to it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at what is happening inside and, and to the church today, mm-hmm. um, the choices we make, the choices the leadership of our churches yep. makes, um, you know, I look at it and say, wow, I wonder, I wonder what that's doing to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wonder, you know, God's response. And we're going to see that as we go through this very difficult portion of Scripture. And I call it difficult only because it's one of those portions of Scripture where, you know, even though God commends them, mm-hmm. because they were a church that that uh, did some things right, there's no doubt about it. But however, they got overtaken by... Um, the things of the world and overtaken by the lusts of the world and, mm-hmm. and lasciviousness and everything and, and it just uh, totally messed up what, what the work was that God had called them to do. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that today, aren't we? We are. And, and of course, with this church that we're going to be looking at, you know, we've looked at three churches, so this is like the middle church. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Smyrna, of course, we know he didn't really offer any, there was really no fault he pointed out. It was more of a encouragement to them because they were suffering persecution. There's bad stuff that was happening to them, not necessarily bad stuff they were doing. But the other two churches, when we read through what was going on here in Thyatira, they were also guilty of what the other two churches had going on in them. Even though he doesn't address those directly, those things are at play. Because to end up like Thyatira did, you had to be a loveless church. Even though he commends them for their love, there's an aspect where they had forsaken their first love. Because if they were really intact with their relationship with God Almighty, they wouldn't be allowing this stuff to take place. And, of course, we talked last week about the compromising church at Pergamos. And they definitely, as we'll see, it's very clear that the leadership here, at least, at the very least, was compromising the scriptural uh, principles that they were expected to follow, if not actually um, finding within the leadership the very behaviors that were being conducted. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I think is in one of my Bibles, and I use several of them in my office, one of my Bibles, I think it was the one uh, maybe Adrian Rogers I got from, and he subtitles Thyatira as the corrupt church. Mm-hmm. You know, you have... You have the loveless church, you have the persecuted church, you've got the compromising church, now you have the corrupt church. Mm-hmm. This is the church that really kind of gave over uh, anything that was good to conducting and compromising 
and mm-hmm. making things or allowing evil to come in and and basically destroy them. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's really a shame. And as we look at churches today, um, you know we all have our faults. We all mm-hmm. have our shortcomings. We all have things. But boy, you know, to be in leadership, for example, and allow Jezebel, so to speak, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. Jezebel come in and and morally absolutely bankrupt mm-hmm. the church. You know, with sexual sins and improper sins and things of that nature, and have the leadership either turn a blind eye to it or even adopt it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that really did, you know, that really, um, you can feel the heart of God just yeah. absolutely breaking as you read uh, these 11 verses that mm-hmm. he's done. You know, you compare like these 11 verses in Thyatira to four verses with Smyrna. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Because, well, with Smyrna, he didn't have any real bad things to say about it. He did talk about their persecution and things, but but they were, you know, that church that he really stood for and, and mm-hmm. commended, and then you got this one. And he yeah. said, look, I have, I have more than somewhat against you. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some very major issues that he really talks about here. And I think that we need to really hit, hit hard on these not that we're judging churches, but but just simply what is happening to the church today, mm-hmm. especially in my view, because I don't know about others, but, you know, especially the church in America. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it just seems to be we have lost absolutely and almost entirely our focus mm-hmm. on where our focus should be. Yeah, And it's not to say there are not some good churches, yeah, but absolutely. We're, we're talking just, you know, in broad strokes right. that you see more often than not um, in any given community. A lot of churches that were once staying true to the Word of God no longer staying true. Right. And as a result, now, um, those levels of compromise, those levels of complacency that all came into play have now so destroyed them as they went down that slippery slope to the point that now the behaviors are just getting downright obscene you know and and that's the thing is is once you start allowing these things to creep in it seems like it doesn't take very long for it to have a foothold on you right and i found that in my own life mm-hmm. you know if i start allowing sin to dominate my life you know a particular sin whatever it is it does not take long for it to really hold rain mm-hmm. over me yeah. because you become calloused yeah you know, that sensitivity that you once had is no longer there. And every time that you give in, it calluses over just that much more. And to the point that now all of a sudden it takes something even worse for you to get that same level of tenderness. And then right. if you don't respond to that one, that gets calloused. And and that's really where this church went. Yeah. As, I mean, even Paul talks about a, a heart that has been seared. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what that is is what you get these calluses on, and and they're you know finally you don't really feel things. You know, you can mm-hmm. smash your finger with a hammer, and you really don't feel it. Why? Because it's become so seared, so callous that that you've lost the sensitivity to it. You've lost mm-hmm. the the feeling of it. And even though we don't go by feelings, we have really lost that that passion mm-hmm. or that compassion. Mm-hmm. for God that we once had, yeah. which is what happened in Ephesus, for example. Right, which is really dealing more, again, much as we call this heartline, it's it's an aspect of the heart, right? right? And so we're not talking about calluses even so much on fingers. We're talking about a calloused heart right. that begins to take place. In fact, uh, you know, we have that one scripture that talks about how I will come and I will uh, give you a heart of flesh. 
yeah. right, and place that heart of stone. And, and that's talking about that callousness that we kind of build up uh, when we just engage in things that are unholy and unpure. And then we try to find excuses for it. We try to find ways to justify it. And then when we can no longer do that, we will try to rewrite the very aspects that try to say that what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. Yeah. You know, so we're going to get into this church at Thyatira. Um, basically, it's a church that put blinders on. They mm -hmm. didn't want to see their sin. They didn't want to acknowledge their sin. And matter of fact, many of them engaged in it. Mm -hmm. And I think that certainly as we look at this, we'll find that much of the leadership had engaged in this, this type of behavior. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the whole church kind of was taken up by it. And we need to be very, very careful. Remember now, as, as we see the day of Jesus Christ coming, mm -hmm. and we believe it's very, very soon, both Tim and I believe it's very, very soon, we're going to see more and more churches turn to like a Thyatira kind of a church, and, right. and we've seen it. Not saying that there aren't any good ones, because by golly, there's a lot of good Bible-believing, Christ-centered, you know, sin-hating churches around. Mm -hmm. But certainly, for every one of those, you probably got... 10 or 100 of the others, mm -hmm. you know, and we've got to be very, very careful. We're going to open in prayer, and then I'm going to have Tim read these 11 verses, and then we're going to carefully go over these and discuss them. Um, so let's ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you so very, very much. <laughs> Lord God, not that we're looking at this and saying that, Lord, we will be exempt, because, Lord, we have to be very careful. We have to be mindful that when the enemy wants to come in and, and do, a, do, do us some hurt or to try to turn our hearts away from you, Father God, it's only by your grace and it's only by your mercy that we stay fixed on Christ. So, Father God, help us to continue with that. Help us to, to be that people. When you talk about the church, we're talking about the people. Help us to be that kind of people that will be fixed on Christ. That sin will become exceeding sinful, yet our love for you will become exceeding passionate. So, Father, bless our time. Be with Tim and I as we discuss these verses in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, picking up there at verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Theatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have, what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. 
He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, Tim, I can't help but, but think as you were reading these scriptures, uh, verse 24 jumped out at me where it says, and hath not known the depth of Satan, you know, as they mm. speak. And, and, and all through this, we find that God is putting the blame where it belongs. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, instead of following Christ, we have listened to the whispers and wish, listened to the, to the things of, of the devil to, to draw us away from Christ. So this is certainly a spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't help but think of like uh, Smyrna, where he goes and says, the synagogues of Satan. And then you listen to Pergamos, where he goes and says, where Satan reigns, or the seat of where, where he is. Mm-hmm. And now we look at verse 24, and he goes and says, and you know the depth, how, how far he will go to try to desecrate mm-hmm. my people. You know, right. and the depths that he will take to mm-hmm. do it. And certainly today we're seeing much of that. That's a, But yeah, like we said last week, it, that does not now give us the opportunity to say, well, I'm not at fault because the devil made me do yep, it. Right. You know, because he is definitely holding them accountable for whether or not they choose to listen to this voice of Satan. Right. Right. And, and um, they have chosen to get to know, to get. And, and again, when we see this aspect of knowing in Scripture, it's usually talking about great levels of intimacy, much as like when a husband knows a right. wife and then they bear children. Right. Right. And so there's this aspect of deep intimacy. And so he's, so he's saying that to those who have not known the depths of Satan, you have not drawn into that level of intimacy relationship with Satan in a sense to the point that you're willing to um, adore those things um, that he has whispered into your ears and uh, but you've chosen to rise above and and I think he kind of paints that picture for us a little bit too just in the way he introduces himself at the very very beginning yep. um, when because I find it always interesting that with every one of these writings he identifies himself in a specific way right. and with each church he identifies a different aspect of himself to this church he refers to himself as the Son of God who has eyes like flame and feet like fine brass. And, and when I see that, you know, this, this fire you talk about, you, you think of purification. You, you, you think of making pure, you know, much like you would with metal, with, fine, with, with gold, things of that nature. But then you also have this fat and feet like fine brass, and as you and I had talked about before, has a couple of different meanings. One is judgment yeah. that, that comes with that. So you know this is going to be a... That's where he's going to be going here. This could be great proclamation as far as what kind of judgment's coming. But why? You also see brass referred to very often in Scripture regarding the earthly realm, you know, and, and that in which we walk. And, and so what I see him saying is, I've got eyes like flames of fire, eyes of such purity, and feet like fine brass. So I've walked where you've walked. That's what gives me the right to judge this. Because I, in all ways, have been tempted like you are, yet I am without sin. So he showed us it's possible to live as overcomers. But this church didn't do that. This church chose to cave in to teachings that seemed to be very pleasurable, 
uh, very self-gratifying and not necessarily things that glorified God through his written word. And on this premise now, he is coming and he's offering this rebuke to this church because he's lived it, he has the authority, and because he has lived it, he has the right to really speak into it because he has shown us another way. Well, let me play, if I can, if I guess this would be a play in words, the devil's advocate for me. Okay. Maybe there's somebody watching us or listening to us, <laughs> excuse me, who will say, yeah, but he lived it perfectly, sinlessly, because he's God. But yet scripture also says that he took on the form of servant, laid aside all of his heavenly glory to take on the form of a servant. Was he God? Yes. In the aspect that he was not born into this world in sin the way that we were born because we did not come right. through the seed of Adam. Or he did not come through the seed of Adam. We did, right? Um, but it says he laid aside all that stuff. He laid aside all of his glory. He laid aside all of his, his rights as God to walk this earth, to show us that it's possible to walk underneath the leading of the Holy Spirit and by staying true to the Word of God um, and be able to rise victorious. Now, again, yes, there's that aspect. He did not have that sin nature inbred into him that we have. And so that would be the one thing that might separate. But he still, Scripture says, was tempted in all ways that we are. So the enemy came against him in all the areas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, right? And he was able to still remain true to, to the Father. And there was always an open door for him mm -hmm. where if Jesus, praise God, he did not and that he did not have to. But if Jesus were to look up to the Father and say, Dad, I can't do this, the Father would have taken him home and destroyed the world. Mm -hmm. But he never had to do that. Even right. as a human being, even mm -hmm. as a man, fully man, yet fully God, he did not do that. And praise God that he didn't. Mm -hmm. This is one of the few places in verse 18, Tim, that I find it interesting where Jesus goes and literally identifies himself as the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Literally does that. You know, and he's not holding back any punches on this. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. I am the Son of God. I am the one who came. I am the one who lived. I am the one who died. I'm the one who resurrected. I'm the one who ascended. I'm mm -hmm. the one who's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And I'm speaking to you as my people. You know, that's who I am. Right. And I have eyes of fire. Mm -hmm. My eyes can penetrate the heart. Mm -hmm. So I know what that heart is thinking. I know what your mind is thinking. I know what, what you're seeing, what you're looking at. I know everything about you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like this, the, the eyes of fire is like that, penetrating, mm -hmm. piercing. You know, um, I know that, you know, when I was a boy, my mother had a look that when she looked at me the way she looked at me, I knew I was in trouble. Because mm -hmm. she had that penetrating look at her. Or my wife, you know, I know when I've stepped over the line and she's got that penetrating, just think of the Lord Jesus Christ and that penetrating look mm -hmm. that he's giving now to Thyatira and saying, look, I have seen all of this. I've witnessed it all. Mm -hmm. And this is what I see. Yeah. And there is going to be judgment. There has to be judgment. Mm -hmm. Now, why does it have to be judgment? Because he is righteous, he is mm -hmm. holy, he is just, yeah. and he has to judge it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's why I think you have like the 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 feet like a fine brass. Mm-hmm. You know, on that on that one who is seated on the throne, mm-hmm. and that's who I am. So so you have it. So Jesus is identifying himself. Just like in some of the others, I'm the first and the last, and I'm, you know, the Alpha, the Omega, mm-hmm. and I'm, uh, I'm the one with the with the sword in my mouth. You know, he goes and identifies himself. But each church, he does it particularly to them. Mm-hmm. And now he's looking at Thyatira and saying, first of all, my first thing I want you to remember, I'm the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Now, because I'm the Son of God, this is how I have to look at you. Mm-hmm. You know, with eyes of fire, with feet of fine brass. Mm-hmm. That's how I have to do it. Why? Because I am the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And so important for us to really make sure that we don't lose that, especially in the church today. Because in so many churches, um, especially Protestant churches like we are a part of, will so oftentimes preach a good share of the time out of the New Testament. Right. You know, there are some that will preach more out of the old, and I think we're getting better at that. You yep. know, but the vast majority of churches when I was growing up always preached out of the New Testament. Very seldom went back to the old, and it was usually God of love, God of mercy, God of grace, God of compassion. And you almost began to get this picture that God was somehow different in the Old Testament than he is yep. in the New. It's almost like there's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde aspect to God here. And I remember going growing up in church and thinking, Something doesn't match up here. And that's why I think it's so important for us not to lose sight that Revelation was written after the resurrection. Yep. This is in the days of grace. Yep. This is in the days of the New Testament that this was written. And he's making it very clear, look, I am still a holy God. Yes, I'm full of grace, compassion, mercy, and all that. And we, and we see an aspect see of it. that yep. uh, as, as we look at this a little bit later on. But he's, he needs to make this church aware that, look... You have now taken that, and you have now used that as a means to maybe excuse your behaviors. I can do this because he's going to love me anyway. All I got to do is go back to him and ask for forgiveness. I can do anything I want as long as I go back and ask for forgiveness. He's making it clear, no, I am still the same holy God that I was back in the Old Testament. Right. And you need to get a grip on that. Yep. And I, I will still offer some grace. There's still, there's still a way for you to be redeemed here. But if you don't move in this realm, my wrath will fall. And we've, I think sometimes churches got to get back to that in today's society. Yeah. You know, I, I feel that, you know, and I've been a part of this, um, not certainly not to this extent, but in my, one of my first pastorates, um, you know, we, I've had people on my boards who would say, yeah, but you've got, you got to c- catch up with the times, mm. you know, or you gotta, you know, you got to accept the culture in which you're living in. And I would balk at it and say, no, we don't have to submit ourselves to what is happening in our world because it's going contrary to what God's Word says. Right. And, there's, you know, and they would come back with, with, yeah, but, you know, I mean, you know, he's an old-fashioned God. He's this. we got to – no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I cannot right. do it, and I won't. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that the more I read of these seven churches, I'm finding – you know, we're on the right path. Don't mm-hmm. compromise. Don't allow corruption to come and reign in your church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that every church has a certain level of it anyway. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, when you've got so many people together, you're going to have some who are not walking with the Lord as well as they mm-hmm. should be or, or may not be walking with the Lord at all. They're just doing their thing on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, and every church has those. 
but to blatantly, and I think that that's what Thyatira was doing, but they were blatantly going and mm-hmm. submitting to the dictates of this Jezebel who was 3,500 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, King Ahab's wife, um, submitted the nation to fornication and adultery and, and promiscuous sins and mm-hmm. sexual sins and, and all of that. The church has come and adopted that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, he's talking about, he's just bringing up, look, this is somebody who's 3,500 years old, and she's not around anymore, but guess what? You're still submitting to what she brought, mm-hmm. and you ought not to be doing that. So he right. goes and he identifies himself. He's the son of God. He has the eyes of fire, uh, like a flame of fire. And then he goes in verse 19, I know thy works. Now, he says that to these other churches. Verse 9, I know thy works of Smyrna. Verse 13, I know your works at Pergamos. And we also got it here in... Uh, verse 2 of of the church at Ephesus. So each one, he goes and says, look, I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I see everything you do. All right? I know every thought you have. I see everything you do. So I know thy works. And, and he goes in at first, like he has with the others, uh, with the exception of Smyrna, he, he goes and he says, look, I, I, you have done some good things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I, I want to commend you for that. You have done some good things. I know your works. I know your love or your charity. I know your service. I know your faith. I know your patience. Um, you know, and thy works and the, and, and the last to be more than the first. And uh, I know all that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. However, what's happened? You know, mm-hmm. why have you changed? Yeah. You know, why have you submitted to the things of Jezebel, mm-hmm. submitted to this lustful way of thinking. Yeah, and, and I love the way that he brings this out, because the one thing that can be so easy for some to overlook is that last part that you had read, that, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. So he's even going as far as saying, look, I, com- I commend you for your works and for all this stuff, and yeah, you know what? Your works now are even better than they were when you first started. But yet... Death will become you. Yep. Um, so it's like all your actions, you're doing all the stuff on the outside. And I brought back again to what Christ said to the Pharisees, you know, people that were following the letter of the law to the nth degree and what he called them, called them whitewashed tombstones, looking yep. pretty on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead bones. I don't. And so he's making it clear the outside's there, but that's just a facade. Any, and even though he doesn't word it this way, he's basically saying, Anybody can do these good works. Yeah. But you know what? That's not really ultimately what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is what's underneath. Yeah. Because if you get what's underneath right, the good works are going to flow anyway. Yeah. But you can do the good works and still be death on the inside. And that's what he was trying to help them understand. You've got everything working well here, but you know what? You're still being eaten alive by that you know, pardon the phrase, but being eaten alive by a cancer on the inside and yeah. it's going to destroy you. Yeah, you know, and I, and I love that, Tim, what, what you're saying to us. And one of the things that's teaching me, and, and as I've looked at the other churches besides, he's, I think he's, he's saying to all of us, you cannot depend on good works. Right. Good works 
will not cut it. When it comes to salvation, mm-hmm. good works does not cut it. Exactly. You know, you can, you can do all the best things. You can have all the community projects. You can have all this stuff. But if you don't have a relationship with me, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to me, that is what he's saying to all of these mm-hmm. churches, especially these first four now, where, you know, you have the works. You've done the good things. However, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, well, I, and I, I like I think that. of a current, um, current day illustration, which I've heard, unfortunately, on more than one occasion of being at a funeral and hearing people sometimes actually come away from the open casket. I know there's not a lot of open casket ones anymore, but, um, but coming away from that and saying, uh, almost with a puzzled look on their face, it's like, what's that about? It's like, well, the, so-and-so, this sounds weird, but... They never looked better, yeah. You know, yeah. because of the makeup job and everything else that yep. they do to the to the to the body that's left behind. They came back saying they they just look so peaceful. They 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 look better than I've seen them look in years. Yeah, and it's like wow, what what a picture of Thyatira. You know, they've got all the makeup on, but they are a dead corpse. Yeah, you know, I I hear I heard a story a long time ago, and this woman was at the funeral of her husband and she has the kids sitting in the front pews with her and all this and the pastor is going on and saying how good this man was and how wonderful and other people got up and gave testimony to this and finally the mother goes to the son and, and elbows him and said, will you go up there and make sure that is your father? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you know, you look at it and say, well, wait a minute, that's a funny illustration. But sometimes we look at it and say, really, this is what they're pretending to be doing, but in their heart, it's not there. Right. You know, and wait a minute, what is he talking about? He's saying, where's your heart? Mm -hmm. You can pretend to do these good works, or you can even be doing these good works, but if your heart's not there, Mm -hmm. where's your heart? Well, we find out where their heart is in verse 20. Mm -hmm. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you. Now, he says that to Ephesus, he says it to Burgos, says it here, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth itself a prophet, to teach and to seduce my servants. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a, I mean, and, and, you know, once again, not to be too hot on the church mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. I mean, I'm a pastor, I love my church, I love, but, yeah, are we, or have we allowed, in generalization, a seduction of the church of God? Mm-hmm by the things of the world, by the culture, by the mm-hmm. uh, politicizing of so many things and all this other stuff. Have we allowed that to happen? Mm-hmm. And, and he's saying, they have. Yep. And they have allowed this Jezebel, who's 3,500 years old, um, seduce the church. Mm-hmm. And they committed fornications and eat things sacrificed unto idols. What does God say about that? God says, look, no, don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's me. And, and when he goes and he introduces himself, you know, thus says the Son of God, wait a minute, he deserves our utmost. That's our, right. You know, Oswald Chambers, right? His utmost for his highest. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what we need. And that's what the church ought to be giving. Yet the church is now bypassing that and giving their mm-hmm. attention to the sexual sins, the fornications, and the evils that are in this world and, and being sucked into that. Mm-hmm. And, and he warns him in verse 20, be careful of that. Uh, I'd like, you've already pointed this out. 
I like where, where Jesus goes and even says to her, says, I gave her space to repent. Mm-hmm. He gave Jezebel 3,500 years ago a time to repent, mm-hmm. and she refused. Yep. You know, and, and he does the same thing for you and for me. Mm-hmm. Look, how long is it going to be that, I'm going to, that, that you think I'm going to stand and watch you destroy yourself or destroy, mm-hmm. try to destroy me even? Yep. How long can I do that? Right. And, and even that concept of um, that woman, Jezebel, now I was just noticing my Bible has a little B next to that word woman. And when I look down at the bottom, it um, mentions that some, trans, uh, some translations have your wife, yep. Jezebel. And so that now brings, this isn't just someone, they have decided to unify themselves in a sense, marry themselves, yep, to, this, themselves to, uh, to this idea, not necessarily to the person, but to this idea of everything that she came to represent, everything right. that she came to promote. Um, so this isn't just a, somehow, you know, you just kind of allowed her to just kind of come in and just have her way. You know, this is somebody that you've, you've made a conscious decision now to join yourselves to. Yeah. And an ideology you've chosen to adopt is your own and to live by. So this is not, if I'm reading this right, Tim, this is not one of those casual things that just happened. It was a fleeting moment and it happened and you saw it happening and you got rid of it. Right. This is that moment where you saw it happen and you lapped it up and you embraced it and Mm -hmm. took on that lifestyle. Right. That's what he's talking about. Okay. This is not that trip up. That is, this is not this falling mm-hmm. and, and picking yourself back. No, this is staying in this condition. Yep. Right? And, and that's what he's talking about. It's not, it's not you know, once again, uh, all of us slip. All of us make mistakes. All of mm-hmm. us fall on our face sometimes. But we, you know, praise God, we can get ourselves back up, dust ourselves back off, and start walking with Christ again. This is not what they're doing. Right. You know, they have lavished themselves with this immorality of this, this false god, Jezebel, mm-hmm. who has, has done this. Matter of fact, I even like, for example, in verse 24, as many who have not taken on this doctrine, mm-hmm. have not taken on this teaching, or not taken on this lifestyle. Because right. that's what doctrine really is, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, when we, when we teach the doctrines of the, of the Bible, really doctrine is nothing more than teaching you lifestyle. Mm-hmm. that God would have for us to do. Right. And, and so he's saying, there are people inside the church that have not taken this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I really want to make mention of them that they've done well by mm-hmm. not taking on this lifestyle. However, it isn't just, I don't think, in a way, it isn't just the everyday common laity. I think he's talking to the mm-hmm. leadership. Well, you and I have both seen uh, that, and, and again, whether you talk in churches, whether you talk in organizations, as go those goes the leadership, so goes the church. Yeah. Or as goes leadership, so goes an organization, right? Um, there's that trickle-down effect. And so the fact that they're allowing this to take place tells me this. You know it's there. You've seen it in operation. You've identified it. But yet you see no harm in it. Right. So you're allowing it. So you, whether or not they were actually engaging in those acts specifically, 
Uh, and that brings me back to the Sermon on the Mount, right, where Jesus said, you know, you say do not commit murder, but I tell you, if you've even hated your brother in your heart, you've already committed right. murder. Same thing with adultery. Even if you've looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in right. your heart. And so whether or not they had actually done the acts per se is really irrelevant. He's pointing out here, your heart's already there because you're allowing this to take place. You know, there's a couple of things in verse 22 that I want to get back to, Tim, that I think is interesting, where Jesus goes and says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed. One is to cast her. If you, if you read the account mm. in First Kings about Jezebel, what happened to her? Mm. She was cast from a balcony yep. onto the uh, patio underneath her. Mm-hmm. And it says the dogs came and lapped up her blood. Mm-hmm. So she was cast down. She was thrown down. That's mm-hmm. one thing that's interesting. Another thing I look at in verse 22 is almost like he's saying, you've made your bed, now you're going to have to lay in it. Mm. You know, and, and how many of us, you know, and I, I've had my, my dad tell me that, you know, when I was a boy and all this stuff. Look, hey, you know, you've got to pay the piper now because this is what you did, you know. And, and mm-hmm. well, he's saying the very same t- thing to the church here. He's saying, yeah. look, he says, if you don't repent, your end is going to be worse, far worse than your beginning. It's going to be mm-hmm. so far worse. And that's exactly what happened to Jezebel 3,500 years ago or 3,000 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, she was cast down. And, and he says, and to them that committed adultery with her unto great tribulation, except they repent. So there will be great tribulation. You're going to have to pay the price. Mm-hmm. And the cost is, is astronomical, mm-hmm. in my view. Right. You know, just in, man, breaking that relationship with Jesus Christ and, mm-hmm. and not being able to have fellowship with him and not being able to, to spend time with him. I mean, you're just not able to because you don't want to. Right. Not that he's not there, but it's just that, you know, how can mm-hmm. Belial and, and goodness you know, come together, you know, right. and, and stuff of like that. So you have that. So you mm-hmm. go and he says, okay, there are some who do not hold to this doctrine. Verse 24, which have not known the depth of Satan as they speak. I will put upon them none other burden. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a great, I love this, you know, I'm not going to put any more burden on you, you know, than, than this. Just stop following the dictates of Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even those that were following, yeah. he's offering the way out prior to that when he had said not only about the sentence, you know, the sick bed and those who being committing adultery being cast into great tribulation, he says, unless they repent of their deeds, which implies if you repent of your deeds, this won't happen to you. Right. You know, and so, but what is that repentance? It's turning away from and inter- it stop moving towards the one thing, turn and start moving towards the other. It's not trying to hold on to both. I think the old uh, movie by Indiana uh, with Indiana Jones, right? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at the very end of that, and you know the they're trying to take the chalice out from the the cave where they're in, and they can't go across this one emblem. While they start to, an earthquake happens and the chalice falls down. And this one woman, she's like, we can still get it. And he's holding on, trying to hold on. He's like, you know, let it go because I'm going to lose you. And she kept trying to reach for it while still trying to remain safe to him. And of course, the end result was she fell to her death. 
And then he finds himself in the same boat, you know, of wanting to reach. But there came a point where he had to turn as much as he wanted that. He had to turn away from it completely and look to his dad, played by Sean Connery at the yeah. time, and grab hold of him with both hands right. and be pulled up to safety. And and that's kind of the picture that we're getting here is, look, it would, you can't try to hold on to Jesus and think you can hold on to this because the end result will be you're going you're gonna to lose, you're going to fall to your death. You've got to turn completely towards me and let me pull you out of this. Yeah. You know, that's why I, you know, I look at this and I, and I look at verse 25, and 25 just absolutely leaps out to me where he goes and he says, but that which you have already hold fast mm. till I come. Yeah. So what is he saying? Turn back to what you have already got. Mm-hmm. And hold it with all you've got. Yeah. You know, it's like the two hands. You know, mm-hmm. just embracing it yeah. and hold on to it. Look, folks, repent of this this thing of Jezebel. Repent of the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Repent of this this thing that you want to adopt. Come back to me. You've already had me. Come back to me. You know what it's like. Come back to me. Hold on fast to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And do it till I come. Yeah. It's like the um, football player that I heard talking about. It. It's like, you know, it's like when you're in this professional football player, it's like, you know, when you, it's not a matter of just catching the ball when it gets thrown to you by the quarterback. He's like, because if that's what you're going to try to do, you're going to lose it every time. Yep. He's like, when you get the ball, what happens is it comes in, you grab it, and then you tuck it in Yep. with both hands. And when you've got it nicely tucked in and it's cradled right in there, then you run, yeah. you know? And, and so it's just, that's this holding fast. It's because it's he's like, if you do that, no matter what comes at you, no matter what kind of a blow tries to take you down, you won't lose hold of that ball. Yeah. It will remain. And so that's really the full picture we're getting here. So, so he goes and says, look, folks, if you're in a church or if your church does have this problem, mm-hmm. there is a way out. Right. You know, once again, get back to the doctrines that you once knew. Get back to mm-hmm. the Christ that you once knew. Yeah. And, and you know, he, because he doesn't want to cast you aside. He just mm-hmm. doesn't want to do that. He loves you too much for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he keeps on saying, you've got to repent. All you got to do is repent. Turn from, turn from this wickedness, but turn and don't mm-hmm. go back to it. Yeah, because he understands the pull is great. Again, yeah. he's been there. He's experienced it. He walked in our shoes. He knows how strong the seduction of the enemy can be. And uh, so he's not saying it's going to be easy, right. which is why he's saying the hold fast, this concept of overcoming, because it's going to be hard, and I understand that. But if you will, you'll, you'll come out successful. But also implying with that, you can't have a lackadaisical attitude about right. it. You've got to protect this at all costs yep. within you because everything of the world is going to try to bombard you from every side otherwise. You know, you've got you know, you to hold it as your own. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a hymn that we sing at CCC, and I love this hymn. I am his, and he is mine. Mm-hmm. That is the relationship we ought to have. Mm-hmm. I am his, but he's mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to take ownership in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's talking about. Don't take ownership in the Jezebel. Don't take ownership in the doctrine of the world. Don't take ownership in the doctrine of the culture you're in. Take ownership in Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And be proud of that ownership that you have in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, and and now there's a reason for that. And, And I really find this interesting. So many Christians today really do not understand 
the millennium. What's mm. going to happen in the millennium? That is the thousand-year reign of Christ. Mm. You know, so many people think that Jesus Christ is going to come down and he's going to rule the world all by himself. That's not true. When Jesus Christ comes down, his church is going to come down and rule with him. Mm -hmm. You know, and therefore he's going to give us ownership of this. We have that in verse 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. When is that going to happen? Mm -hmm. That's going to happen during that time. Yep. You know, and, and, but this is a, you know, I always picture this life as a dress rehearsal for the millennial reign, mm. for us as believers. How you responded to me while you were walking on earth as a human being is, is going to dictate what I give to you and how you reign with me mm. in the millennial reign. And if we can look at it that way and say, wait a minute, how do I want to reign with him? I mean, so many of us, I mean, and I'm guilty of this. Mm. I love Athens. I love where I live. You know, and I just look up to heaven and say, God, if you can make me the mayor of Athens during the millennial reign, I'll be happy. You know, but would I really? Knowing that, wait a minute, there's someplace else he wants to give to me that, mm. that I, I, I want to say I earned, but I didn't earn anything, that because of my lifestyle that he wants to give to me? Mm. Wait a minute, no, no. You know, I want the best that he has for me. Mm-hmm. And But it has to do with this dress rehearsal in which we are living today. Today is our dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Today, this day was the dress rehearsal for the Church of Thyatira. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to get back for a minute, and, and I think we need to do this. Thyatira, where was it located? It was located in between two port cities. Mm. So they were going through some tough stuff because when the enemy wanted to attack those two port cities, who would they attack first? Thyatira. Mm-hmm. They would attack them first because if they could stop the imports going into these other port cities, then they could conquer those cities. Mm-hmm. So, so they were having a tough time. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they were really having a tough, and it was a tough place. There's no doubt yeah. about it. You know, it's not like the the Pergamos. It's not like the Smyrna's. But you know, it still was a tough place. Mm-hmm. And he's going and saying to them, "Look, I will give you power over the nations. You're going to reign with me." You know, and, and if we can look at our future that way. You know, our future is more than, you know, some people picture the future of going up and you're sitting on a cloud and you're playing a harp and, and all of this. So that isn't my future. Mm-hmm. All right? That is not in my future at all. In our future as Christians for Christ, we're going to reign with him. Mm-hmm. In it, but it all depends on how we're going to reign with him. It all depends on how we live today. Right. You know, and, and we find that. So we have that in verse mm-hmm. 26. Verse 27, He that shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter, shall they be broken to shrivers, even as I received of my Father. Mm-hmm. Did Jesus say that when he was walking on earth, did he have to go through trials and tribulations? You've oh, already yeah. alluded to it many, many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at his life. Look at what he had to go through. But, now look at where he is. Mm-hmm. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The Father has already given him the keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're his, and yeah. he's going to reign one day. His love is unconditional. His grace is unconditional. To any who would receive him, he'll, he's given right to become children of God, yep. right? But at the same token, there will be rewards that will be poured out on those um, that's greater than that. 
greater than just being with Jesus. Though being with Jesus is enough, you know, and being in a mansion in heaven for eternity is enough. Yep. But there are even greater rewards that would be poured out based on our level of faithfulness that we discharge, like you said, while we are here. You know, and, and to me, Tim, that is the key, is the level of faithfulness, not the level of how many good works we do in all of these things. Mm-hmm. It is the level of faithfulness to him. How much, you know, my question is, is Harold, how much do you love Jesus? Mm-hmm. Do you love him more today than you did back in 1969 when I accepted Christ is my mm-hmm. personal Savior. I hope I can say, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I love him more today than ever. I can say that about Patty. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been together now for 52 years, right? I love her more today than it was the day I met her. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the way it ought to be with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is saying in verse 27, look, he shall reign them with a rule of iron as vessels of potter shall they be broken to shrivers, even as I received of my father. He said, look, I know life's tough. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to have broken moments. I understand that. But look at the future. Mm-hmm. Look at what I have in store for you. Yeah. And this 70, 80, 90 years, however long we're on the, in eternity, how long is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it is but a blip on the map. That's it. Yeah, and that's what it is. We'll get it 28 and 29. What does he say? I will give him the morning star. You know, I look at verse 28, and Jesus says, you know something? You'll have all of me. Because what, how does the scripture define Jesus as the bright and morning star? You'll have all of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll be with me forever. Mm. You know, what a way. But, you know, you can't do it if you're going to follow Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Just can't. Then he says in verse 29, as he does in the others, he that has an ear. So what he's doing is in each of these seven churches, he says, hey, read Thyatira. Oh, by the way, Pergamus, you read Thyatira too. Smyrna, you read Thyatira. Thyatira, you read Smyrna, Pergamus, Ephesus, Philadelphia. You read, you know, get in touch with all of these, right? Mm-hmm. So he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God says unto all of the churches. Mm-hmm. Put all of this together. How do we stand? Mm-hmm. Or where do we right. stand? Because this is not a linear thing. If you fall prey to any one of these churches, chances are you're falling prey to what some of the other ones are yeah. going through too. Exactly. And if not now, you will. And so for that reason, you need to understand it all. Next week, we'll be looking at the, the Church of Sardis, and we'll be getting into that into Chapter 3. I am Pastor Harold Noyce, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We are located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We have evening worship, 6 p.m. every Sunday night. So come on out. If you're you're in the area, we would love to meet you. We would love to greet you. We'd love to be able to fellowship with you, sing sing God's praises together, listen to God's word together. So come on out, and uh, we'd love to meet with you. Or if you're in the Charlestown, New Hampshire area, we'd love to see you at Life on Main. We meet at Old at 223 Old Springfield Road, which is the senior center of Charlestown. We meet there every Sunday morning for coffee and fellowship at 10 with our service at 11 o'clock. 
and just a great time in the Word, great time of worship together. We'd love to have you be a part of that. We also have a cottage prayer meeting that takes place, uh, which is open to all churches uh, that proclaim Christ, uh, that meets at our home at 276 Main Street, has an Abundant Life Center sign on the front yard, right there on Route 12, downtown Charlestown, 6.30 every Wednesday night. You're welcome to come and be a part of that as well. We thank everybody, of course, for tuning into this. We thank all of the staff here for making this program possible. And we'd like to also know that you can find us on a number of different social media sites. If you're just wanting to look at things on pages as far as some of the episodes, whatever, you can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on, um, on Rumble and or excuse me truth social for that yeah. and then if you're looking for the video specifically you can find us on both youtube as well as on rumble uh, just to view the videos in those locations so if you just like to tune into the audio broadcast you can find us on most podcast providers uh, that are most popular ones are out there whether it be itunes google podcasts whatever so feel free to look us up and let those that are even outside this viewing area know about the program so we want to thank you so much and hope to see you next week